Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith. It's Monday, April 4th, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on-demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. Words used over the weekend to describe the horrors discovered in several Ukrainian towns north of Kyiv, summary executions, mass graves, and, from President Zelensky, genocide. Officials and journalists found the streets of Bucha, a Kyiv suburb, scattered with bodies in civilian clothes after Russian forces pulled out. Some of the dead had their hands tied and were shot execution style. Leaders around the world are calling the discoveries war crimes, and the UN Secretary General has called for a probe. Moscow doubled down on its alternate version of reality, claiming its forces did not harm a single civilian in Bucha. The Kremlin says the images of dead people in the streets are, quote, another production of the Kyiv regime for the Western media, even though many of those images have been captured by independent journalists. For good measure, Russia's chief investigator has announced an investigation into what he calls Ukraine's provocation. The hacking group Anonymous says it's behind the release of the names, addresses, and dates of birth of more than 120,000 Russian soldiers allegedly fighting in Ukraine. The information was released last month. On Twitter Sunday, Anonymous claimed responsibility for the leak, adding, quote, It's going to take a very long time to accept Russia back into the human race after all the crimes it's committed via Putin. Turns out Elon Musk is doing more than just criticizing Twitter as a platform that limits his right to free speech. He has purchased a big stake in the social media company. According to an SEC filing that Twitter released this morning, Musk owns more than a 9% stake, which is worth nearly $3 billion. And that estimate could rise quickly. Twitter shares surged more than 20% when the markets opened. The Senate Judiciary Committee is expected to advance Katanji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court nomination to the full Senate this morning. Democrats hope to hold a final vote on Thursday. Speaking on ABC's This Week, Republican Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri seemed of two minds about Jackson, saying he'll vote against her but calling her nomination as the first black woman on the court historic. I won't be supporting her, but I'll I'll be uh, joining others in understanding the importance of uh, this moment. Jackson is likely to get the 50 votes she needs in the Senate to be confirmed. We're updating those headlines as news happens until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. We'd also love to hear from you. Email us at therefreshatinsider.com. Coming up, would you buy a house with a friend? Well, we talked to a single mom who did. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. In Hungary, authoritarian leader Viktor Orban has declared victory in his bid to win a fourth term as prime minister. In a speech Sunday night, the longtime Putin ally said he'd never faced so many opponents, including Hungary's left, Brussels bureaucrats, the international media, and apparently Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky. Okay. In a rare move for an EU country, the Organization for Security and Cooperation sent in election observers to monitor polling. 
JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says his company, which is the biggest U.S. bank by assets, could lose about $1 billion over time as a result of its exodus from Russia. In his annual letter to shareholders, widely read by the business community, Dimon says three forces are likely to shape the world over the coming decades. One, the U.S. economy's rebound from the pandemic. Two, high inflation and the rapidly rising rates that are likely to ensue. And three, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Average gas prices around the country are ever so slightly lower. This follows Biden's announcement last week that he's releasing one million barrels of crude oil per day for the next six months from the country's petroleum reserve in order to drive down prices. The average price per gallon is now $4.19, down six cents from a week ago. However, that's still about one and a half times what people were paying this time last year. The Grammy Awards were Sunday night, and you know what? This was the best Grammys I've ever seen. Trevor Noah was an excellent host, the performances were a ton of fun, the in-memoriam was beautifully done, and they had this wonderful tribute to Ukraine. In a word, it was stellar. 19-year-old Olivia Rodrigo won three awards, including Best New Artist and Best Pop Album. Silk Sonic, aka Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock, won Song of the Year and Record of the Year. And John Batiste, the lead for Stephen Colbert's band on The Late Show, picked up five awards, including Album of the Year. One of the many highlights from Sunday night's Grammys was a cameo from President Vladimir Zelensky. In a pre-recorded speech, he described the human toll of the war and how musicians in Ukraine are wearing body armor instead of tuxedos as they play to the wounded in hospitals. On our land, we are fighting Russia, which brings horrible silence with its bombs, the dead silence. Feel the silence with your music. Feel it today to tell our story. As housing prices continue to rise, people are getting creative. A couple of years ago, Holly Harper was a newly divorced single mom, and she couldn't afford a place in D.C. on her own, so she did something more people are doing. She teamed up with another single mother to buy a home together. She says it's paradise. Holly's here to chat with us. Hey, Holly. Hey. So why did you decide to co-own a house with a friend? Well, I lived in Capitol Hill in D.C., and the housing market is just on fire. And Mm. so when I went from selling my single family home and I started looking at the real estate, I noticed that the only thing I could afford with my $400,000 budget was either a condo with a crazy HOA fee and no outdoor space, or I was going to have to live in like a subterranean, you know, row house split into a duplex. Mm. And so I thought, well, If I'm going to have to live in a duplex anyway, I might as well live with someone who I actually love and we can share that investment. And coincidentally, a good friend of mine was going through a similar situation Mm. and we just thought, yeah, let's try it. You said that you wanted to live in a familial community, that you wanted this sort of commune dream. But can you tell us a little bit about the house itself? We ended up finding this house. It was an old boarding house. And it has a basement unit that's two-bedroom walkout. And then my unit is the ground level. It's two-bedroom. And then the mirror image of that upstairs is configured as a three-bedroom. And then we have a studio in the attic. So technically, we only share the porches, the backyard, and the utility space. You said that it feels like you're living in a sitcom. You compare it to the Gilmore Girls or Three's Company. But I, (laughs) I imagine it's not all great, right? I mean, so what is hard about this living situation? You know, None of it has been really hard. We had to learn each other's kids. So each kid is so different. And 
the parents know best about how to parent the kids. So mm-hmm. you really had to you know, tiptoe a little bit at first. Like, how do I tell this kid no the way that he will hear me, but he doesn't you know, think I'm his mom um, or that I'm not the mean lady downstairs? Like navigating that was a little bit challenging at first, but now we really know each other well and we know how to communicate in a way that the kids can respond. But did you sit down with the other moms at one point and just kind of set the ground rules? What we did before we did the rules is just shared our stories and our journeys and our theories on life and parenting and our, you know, heartbreak and built that trust and empathy to the point where, you know, we can do hard things together. So you wrote that you saved $30,000 last year because of this co-ownership. So you've been doing this for a little while now. What other sorts of financial perks have you noticed? Oh, man, like in a normal situation, every one of us would have to buy an air fryer and every one of us would have to buy, um, you know, the big pot to can things. And, you know, our kids all want the Nintendos and we'd have three. But in this environment, like we have one of everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's just amazing. My household expenses on stuff have just plummeted. So how can people who are struggling with the current housing market replicate your success and what you have done? Uh, The first thing they need to do is find a realtor and find a mortgage broker that understands um, its co-tenancy. It's as simple as that. And then we created a sub-agreement that says what happens when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. And you can just do that with a real estate lawyer. All right. Thank you so much, Holly. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. You can learn more about her co-ownership over on Insider. We'll be updating the news until 1 p.m. Eastern, so check back for the latest headlines. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play The Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith. Talk to you soon. Bye.